Be Afraid. This is Dorson Kipton, your host on the Be Afraid podcast, dragging you along for the misadventures of a new and aspiring horror author. Don't worry, if you're not a big fan of horror or you're not a writer, this is mostly my uh, journey just captured for you on audio. I'm sharing with you some of the things that I pick up and ponder on. And today, I'm pondering on the theme of madness. You may be familiar with madness if you're if you've experienced uh, some of these horror stories, anything written by H.P. Lovecraft in the last five millennia, and certainly the movie The Shining is a great example of uh, horror driving someone insane. You could say that it is a Shining example. My apologies. Thank you for joining me on the journey, and in this realm of madness promise you we'll all be crushed together but in a good way why madness this is a question we all ask our families sometimes but i'm going to ask it in a literary way i'm going to talk first about why i'm going to first just touch on why an author would choose to make a character insane or lose some of their grasp on reality and then I'm going to touch on uh, the justification for that. What caused it in the canon? Uh, what makes it make sense that someone couldn't make sense of their world anymore? So why do we horror writers do it? Well, uh, one for one, the morbid morbidity was actually first associated with mind and not with a style of art or macabre tone to something. So morbidity itself is uh, is related to our theme of horror and what is scary, what is dark and wrong, really. So it goes well with the theme, let me put it that way. Second, I'm going to say that it, it lets you do things without committing to them being part of the canon. Not every piece of, uh, of something terrifying that the audience is going to have to chew on and grind their teeth on at night is going to be uh, something that has to have a consequence in the story. If the character sees horrible visions, the audience sees horrible visions, but you don't have to make those horrors real. In some ways, a horror that is not real is more terrifying than the one that is. Realistically, fear is in the mind, right? You experience it in your body just as you do every feeling that you have, and many of your thoughts originate also in your body. There's a hormonal thing, and there's a whole tie between for example, your state of hunger or tiredness and your mood. Just to give you an obvious example, here we're going to be talking about how your your mind can play tricks on you and that can make you more afraid than anything that could happen in reality. Have you ever experienced something in reality that was actually quite bad, but your mind's experience of it was quite minimal? Something like a car accident. Which, if you think about it, you're moving at unnaturally high speeds due to being in a vehicle and there are thousands of pounds of 
dangerous material involved. There's explosive fuel nearby, but you probably don't experience a scaled up sense of terror involved in a car crash. Or maybe you do, but in my experience, that hasn't been the case for my car crashes. They weren't terrible, so don't worry, I still have the use of my hands, so I can keep writing. That is, th those are some of the most essential reasons that a writer would use for, use insanity to modify horror. How do we justify it? Well, there are, we're, we're talking about catastrophic injuring scenarios here, there are catastrophes, there are events and impacts that will injure the mind just as there are events that will injure the body. If you cut a man, you expect him to bleed. And if he didn't, you would suspect he was dead already. If a certain person encounters enough emotional or mental trauma, you can then expect that they are going to have a hemorrhaging of the mind. And if they didn't, then one would wonder what was wrong with them in the first place and are they dead or emotionally dead, dead in spirit in some way just to dip back into that well morbid, of morbidity. I think that those are some very serious reasons. Uh, others involve, I give the example of The Shining to start with. The fact that someone's, someone who is important to the story, the father figure in this case, has lost touch with rational thought is going to make them unpredictable, and that unpredictability is terrible terrifying so far i've touched on why madness uh one reason as far as why to use that as a literary device being that you can create a unreliable narrator meaning that with all genuineness from a first person encounter or otherwise you can be receiving this profoundly genuine account of something that did not happen due to a schism, a, a fracture between uh, between reality and perception. The justification being that a emotional or mental hemorrhage of sorts could be the proper, the, the essentially the proper response to a gratuitous injury to your mind, to your psyche. From you know some sort of trauma, and that that really makes sense in a horror context. Those sorts of things can break a person apart, break you down, or turn you into something else, which is kind of the premise of the Joker, to a certain degree. B beyond that, I'm going to discuss uh, how it's implemented and some of the ways that I like to implement it. And uh, a lot of these, of course, are inspired by other authors. I already mentioned, already name-dropped H.P. Lovecraft. Shout out, uh, my man. He's been he's been gone for a while. Uh, also, Stephen King has that happen to his characters a lot. He likes to use insane antagonists as much or more than insane protagonists. Yeah, definitely insane antagonists most of the time uh so 
let me share with you one of the stories that really gets to me with it and one of the things that I'm planning on potentially doing with it. I I thought I find that a lot of games are great generators for these these emergent stories, meaning what the player does, video games I'm talking about specifically, uh, this has happened with board games, uh, players make choices in the, and the rules of the game react with it, and it creates a set of, a series of events that were completely impossible to anticipate uh, in their totality. And one of these is called The Darkest Dungeon. So I wanted to write a short story series based on kind of the, the structure or the, the um, declivity of sanity that occurs in that, in that atmosphere. So let me explain to you how this would work and, and how it works in the game and how I might play with that as a, a literary series. In the game, it's, it's a strategic thing where you bring out a party of up to four characters if you bring out any fewer, expect to come out, come back with less. And as they go out, they can be injured physically and they can be injured mentally. So you can gain physical ailments like diseases or cripple, uh, crippling, you know, disabilities, things like partial blindness and and this and that and diseases. And you can also gain mental diseases, things like fixations or impulsive behavior things like stealing uh, can can manifest in the game where characters are stealing things from the whole group or perhaps they're becoming cowardly or selfish or seeing poorly in the dark all, all these sorts of different things can affect their behavior and their performance so the group starts Typically, a group will start at best as someone with a group with a few strengths and a lot of flaws, a ton. And they'll go out and they'll acquire more flaws and they'll acquire stress. And if they get to a full amount of stress, they suffer a mental break. At that point, and this is one of the most interesting story points that I think I could write on, is at that point, they gain this this new mental attribute that is very very hindering and it could be selfish or it could be uh, cowardly or it could be many other things continuing notice my excellent recall you can suffer a lot of these uh, mental injuries you can become things like morbid where you would shout out, uh, a character would shout out things that would distress and stress out the other players in their team, or perhaps they would physically harm them. Uh, they could become psychotic or even masochistic. And, uh, they would actually step to the front of the party, even if they're, um, uh, a ranged type character that's ordinarily supposed to have a bow and they would step to the front of the party in and beg for the monsters to hit them so uh, these sorts of things change the the uh, self-interest of characters they bend and twist the self-interests 
to be these monstrous and abominable and uncanny, strange things. Uh, if you think of mental conditions like uh, pica or pica, uh, people say that different ways. Uh, it's an eating disorder where you eat non-food substances. The idea of walking into a room and finding walls or uh, keys or you know whatever just gnawed on. Uh, you know, things like this that are disturbing. Uh, obsessions where someone might carve a word again and again into the wall or scratch it and then, you know, the, the, the nail tracks become bloody over time and things like this. These are, these are, for me, poignant points in stories. So, uh, the idea that I would have, that I have essentially with writing this short story series is that people would have to go out in groups from this main hub that is dangerous and isolated from the rest of the world, whether they're banished there or they are driven there or they're coming there, they're lured by some sort of deception or uh, seeking grandeur or riches, who knows? Maybe they're all a little insane, and this is where they're sent for that reason. <clears throat> the the interesting thing would be the different kinds of flaws that the different characters have some of them might be overly sympathetic and even feel pain when they see other people hurt even if those people are brigands that are trying to kill them things like this would make it very well it would be an anguishing experience to even attempt to survive in this world and the ways that that could break a person and then they could be remade from the cocoon of the cloister or the uh, the asylum or what have you. Uh, however people deal with stress and some people might have more and more morbid and extreme ways of venting stress after these excursions into these horrid dungeons and drab evil places. That, to me, is a very interesting premise and format to just repeatedly go at. I would like to do a Dungeons... Uh, or not Dungeons, uh, Darkest Dungeon themed. If I could get... Uh, if I can get the go-ahead from them, that would be excellent. But I'm not that kind of status of a writer. So, at this early stage in my journey, I suspect I'm just going to borrow a basic format of group goes out returns uh, mentally malnourished and poisoned and has to deal with uh, the continuity of that world where, yeah, you have to return on another voyage into a hellscape from which you don't know if you will return or someone else in the shell of your body. And that is how I like to do insanity. with a friend yesterday, I was reminded of a story that I wrote long ago. We were discussing the movie Split, in which the focal point is a character who, unfortunately, has a 23-person split party non-stop. 
living in his head. And he is not always the host, if you know what I'm saying. The physical differences that are carried between these different characters, the personalities, the aptitudes, and all these things, fascinating. The power of the human brain to potentially hold all these additional people. Not that I'm saying this is a desirable ability, but in a discussion of insanity and what that could mean, that this person had more than one human skill set under their possession. He was both right-handed and other times when he broke away and another personality came over, left-handed. Or one of them had disabilities such as diabetes and can your brain shut off uh, the function of parts of your body? Well, it certainly does for people who have uh, certain psychosomatic injuries, which is to say injuries that are more alive in your brain as a, as a source, and they manifest as physical as physical ailments. This could include things even up to uh, pregnancy. And, of course, with no foreign DNA, you cannot actually conceive a human with only your uh, DNA, but the full gamut of pregnancy experience up to that point is pretty insane. What I'm saying is that I had a story long ago about a character whose alternate personalities were formed from a combination of trauma and some other external factors or other internal factors. I'll put it that way. Something inherent within this person combined with some trauma resulted in, in a psychotic uh, schism in which new people were formed in their head. And, and I'm just going to call this a man. I'm not, I'm not going to specify uh, age or, or gender or anything like that accurately. I'm just going to say as a male character, so I'm not spoiling anything if I do choose to publish this story for you later. So this man experiences schism and it starts seeing these other characters and like the book, like the movie A Beautiful Mind, another great story about insanity, these other characters are not visible to anyone else, but they certainly everything about how he lives and how just how real they are and how much physical embodiment they have, and whether the body that they're seeing from the viewpoint of is the real one, or if one of those perfect mimics of him are the real uh, possessor of the body, while maybe he's just a figment at that point, that is going to remain unclear. And that, to me, creates a ton of interest and a ton of opportunity for what, what I've referred to previously as an unreliable narrator, meaning third-person perspective. You can talk about things really from that man's point of view, but those the statements and the claims can turn out to be inaccurate simply because his knowledge is inadequate. The idea that multiple personalities, these others, could be the one who has control of the body at this point or that they may conspire against you 
or that some of these personalities are afraid of the others, or that they're keeping additional personalities secret from you, concealing whole other people, and the number that could live within could be unknown to you forever. Uh, large gaps in memory, different uh, skills that you never realized you had, different physical traits, maybe uh, tattoos, scars, or markings, uh, years lost. One of the most profoundly, deeply terrifying renditions of insanity for me is demonic possession. I do believe that most cases of demonic possession, uh, quote-unquote demonic possession that we uh, may see or hear about in the modern world are indeed insanity manifesting as uh, a mockery of these things. But the genuine demonic possession and where the line uh, crosses, how, how extreme do things have to be, and can demons trick you into thinking this one's insane instead of possessed? Things like this can be quite terrifying. Now, do I really believe in demons? Yes. And if you show me a horror writer who doesn't believe in demons, I'll show you someone who refuses to take a bath in my tub of holy water. Moving on. I'm going to say that demon possession is by far the most terrifying form of uh, insanity or of an unreliable character for many reasons. Their abilities can be unpredictable, unholy unsavory and altogether quite gnarly they're they're good at getting into people's heads in more ways than one in another fashion there there doesn't have to be just one i talked before about multiple personalities consider multiple demons with conflicting interests invading one person's body the war that they could wage inside them, and the hell that that person personally has to experience. Not only that, but those around them, those who love them the most, will suffer not knowing if they're okay, if they were unwell, and uh, if they've recovered, or if only some evil lurking within lies dormant. Never can they trust them, never can they know, even when they're behaving authentic, genuine, and normal, never can they be certain that this loved one is fully under their own control. And the fear of an exorcism killing the person or harming the person or of simply being incapable of performing it for lack of faith, lack of prowess, or lack of means, all very helpless scenarios. I remember I remember distinctly experiencing this, uh, a loved one having lost control of their their decision making, being a, uh, a fear of mine I experienced in a nightmare when I was much younger. I was much younger, perhaps uh, middle school. I had a nightmare 
about a friend of mine who is a little bit younger, a friend from the neighborhood, and he embodied the character from The Shining, the child from The Shining, which if you remember, at the beginning of the book and movie, his best friend was a dead spirit who, when he did spend time together with him, the kid would have a seizure, foam from the mouth, his eyes would roll back, and he would very much concern his parents, who insisted that he didn't, that he shouldn't spend any time with this person, but lonely kid, he wanted to. The kid wanted to do this thing that was terrible for him and terrifying for everyone around him. He had no concept. And anyway, that, that kid was embodied by someone I knew at that moment, and I realized, wow, it's by simply character swapping someone I knew in there, now I understand how those people felt. And I was begging him not to go see his spirit friend. So yeah, uh, that's what's terrifying to me about insanity. And I hope it is for you too. Can we examine for a moment the fear that, that can be imparted of losing your own mind? Sympathetically putting yourself in the shoes of a character who themselves is losing either their, their mind through a disease, maybe it's a degenerative disease, stealing from them their mental acumen and their their ability to walk even uh stealing their memories away uh you know we th these are real things these are realities and they can come for you and that's what can make those terrifying i think it's an underexplored venue the the character who is losing their mind and what that sense of loss is like. We so often consider ourselves to be beings made of mind. Who you really are is purely your mind. I thought that way for a long time. I think otherwise now. But it's definitely a humongous key component to what you are. And as that's being eroded or clawed away or simply falling away from weakness uh, or age these things are terrifying imagine that you go to sleep on uh, Saturday for a nap around noon you wake up at one and someone tells you, you you slept for an hour, you're good. You get up and someone tells you that they haven't seen you for a week. And it's 1, 1 p.m. Saturday the next week. You lost a whole one. You have no clue where you were, what you were doing, who you were with, and any of the consequences of any of those things. For all you knew, you could have... For all you know, you could have more children out there at that point. Who knows what you do when 
you have no grasp of yourself. Uh, other things, losing memories, losing people, people who tell you they know you. They insist that they have these close relationships with you, but for th for the life of you, you s stare at them and you see a stranger. Nightmarish. No one will be constant. Nothing will stay. Everything is leaving whether it's stable or not, because you yourself are losing stability. That to me is quite a deep root of horror. Thank you all for listening. This has been Torsen Kipton with the Be Afraid podcast, uh, wishing you mental health and none of the mental declivity and morbidity that we've talked about today. It's been a an exhaustion of my mental faculties just to think up some of the scenarios we're talking about. Uh, I guess that is a commentary on my lack of imagination. Hmm. Didn't anticipate that one. In any case, if you are interested in the conversation, I encourage you, comment or call in or rate us. Let us know what's most interesting to you. I want to hear the uh, story of insanity that was most interesting or scary or uh, eye-opening for you in any way. Uh, also, feel free to check out our other podcast if you want some more uh, spooky stuff about people whose mental integrity is questionable. Check out the Shady podcast. Shady is all about true crime and truly... It's hard to imagine the horrors that some human beings can visit upon others and think that their mind may be intact. Terrifying, but a terrifying possibility, indeed. Thank you again for listening. Hope that you are doing well behind the eyes and in front of them. Stay reading, stay listening, and if you haven't already, definitely subscribe to the podcast favorite it on Anchor, follow Torsten Kipton on Instagram and everywhere, and I will be hanging around trying to keep it together for you. Let me add this much. I didn't talk about drugs and how they affect mental uh, stability. That is definitely a point of interest for me. Uh, I, I find it very interesting when characters uh, do that sort of thing, not recreationally, to uh, drag other people into the culture of consuming drugs for, uh, for enjoyment, but uh, out of necessity or as a plot point. It's interesting for me. One of the great, greatest examples of this, in my opinion, has to be the movie Limitless. If you haven't seen it, check it out for sure. It's a great movie, whether uh, the insanity bit uh, is interesting to you or not, but the premise is that a man discovers a uh, special drug in these tidy, clear pills that makes him the smartest man in the world. Basically a four-digit IQ, and uh, it does affect his mind in other ways that I won't spoil for you, but that is a good story about insanity and the way that drugs and addiction tie into it. So 
So there's a last bonus nugget for you. Don't know if that'll be on the podcast or if I'll redo this one as an HD podcast or what. But this one's this one's looking at you. Back at it. Hasten to add an equally fascinating facet of drugs and mental stability is the use of drugs to stabilize that may have some adverse effect. Talking about story wise, uh, this is an interesting, someone may clear their eyes of the visions or silence the voices in their head or or overcome a phobia given they can acquire a substance but the cost of that substance be it to some other facet of their sanity their health or uh, just some material cost or relational cost relationship perhaps with another character or maybe now they just owe someone something that sort of thing is truly fascinating uh Man, one could write a whole story about that by itself. Anyway, bonus segment number two. Enjoy.